Hey, this is Roleplaying Public Radio, RPPR, episode 85, We Three Games. I'm Ross Payton, and with me, as always, Mr. Todd Church, and special guest, Caleb, from Heaven That's right. Games. Hey, I'm going I'm to turn this over to him so Caleb can say something. Say something profound. Yes. Um, hello. Yes. Profound. <laughs> That's why you come to RPPR. My mind That's, is blown! <laughs> we won the any last year. Quality podcasting. Nothing but Quality. Uh, all right. So in this episode, uh, instead of talking about advice uh, about how to make your games better or anything like that, uh, I just thought it would be fun if we each came up with three ideas, basically elevator pitches, for standalone role-playing games, and we each pitched them. Uh, so we each came up with three separate ideas. Yeah. We did and- something like this similar with just – except taking a bunch of random – Ideas and threads of putting them into one game, right? But this is, yeah, this is a little different. So just a little uh, creativity uh, exercise, something you guys and our perfect and our perfectly normal, unprofane language, yeah, and our and our calm, sedate way. Yeah, exactly. So uh, first off, uh, we have a bit of news. Uh, So speaking of game design and writing, uh, I were base raiders progress report. Uh, the the main draft is well underway. We're at ninety eight thousand words right now. I'm trying to be comprehensive in covering all the material for it. Uh, I have the layout template ready to go. So as soon as I get the rough draft done, I can start laying the book out. I've got almost all the artwork in. Uh, I've got a few pictures uh, mm-hmm. still waiting they're, on. They're they're amazing. They yes. really are. Uh, so it's we're we're it, things are picking up uh, now. The reason why it, it, it's it's being a little delayed is because uh, back in February, uh, Posthuman Studios, the makers of Eclipse Phase, finally responded to a pitch I gave them back in December 2011 for... Thank you. <laughs> yes, Caleb and I... That was Caleb. <laughs> I have written for their new upcoming book, Transhuman, the player's source book, which will be uh, backed on Kickstarter, or they'll have a Kickstarter campaign to do that. You can see, the reason I'm bringing this up now is because some of uh, the material is available for viewing uh, on the Eclipse Face forums. I'll put a link up to that, to Transhuman Open Playtest. Uh, I wrote some of the traits and some of the morphs. Uh, Caleb's uh, done some other sections that, hasn't, that haven't been posted yet uh, as at the time of this podcast. I don't know how much of the book they're actually going to post. Uh, maybe just the rules because there's advice and there's a lot of good stuff in there but because uh, I wrote some advice thank you yes <laughs> thank you and uh, be sure to leave your feedback about what you think about the trace and all that good. Caleb's not wearing a shirt by the way I love you give me more work yes uh, so. I'll do anything you want <laughs> he will too I'm not desperate <laughs> he is the mantra of the freelancer. Uh, so totally shameless. Uh, and again, speaking of cable, uh, I finally figured out how to record uh, voice chat on the Xbox 360. Uh, so Caleb and I have been playing Dead Space Three co-op campaign. We have indeed Killzone. We have indeed. I am. I am playing the second character who looks remarkably like a guy from Killzone, <laughs> the video game. So. Uh, that is my. I don't even know what my character's real name is. Or is uh, character design guy got a little drunk the night before, <laughs> and he went on Google Images. Red, and red, glowy eyes. And yeah, he's completely different than the other one. <laughs> he's a he's a gun bro with with red eyes. Anyway, uh, so we we've uh, put some of our uh, chicanery on YouTube, and I'll put a link up to that, and you can check that out. So that will be fun, and then. Uh, finally, uh, last bit of the thing is the No Evil Eclipse Phase fan creation contest update. Uh, we're down to the last two episodes of the campaign. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff, not just art, stories, a video, uh, Preston's music. Preston's adorable face. Preston's adorable face. And 
there's just a lot of and a commercial work. that would convince me to buy cologne. Yes, it was. Planned tattoos. Yeah, oh my god. There's so much great stuff, you guys. And I know there's going to be more. I like the comic, too. Oh, man, we don't forget the comic. Oh, yeah, the comic is nuts. Yes, uh, that was uh, a fitting uh, epitaph for that Cyrock version. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, check it out, uh, and again, once I post the last episode, you'll have two weeks from the the exact posting of that episode to get in your entries, and then we'll judge them, and we'll start mailing out posters, and we'll do a whole episode of RPPR uh, breaking down a, a post mortem of the No Evil campaign for the players and the game master's perspective. So uh, that will be in you know May probably. Uh, so look forward to that. We are traumatized. We are. Yeah, there is so much traumatization (laughs) that's a word now um so anyways let's talk about uh the our ideas so we each came up with three game ideas Uh, i only wrote down a few words to remember them they're all in my head so uh tom why don't you you go first all right so my first idea i don't have it i have no title for this of course yeah but my uh, first one is a game designed where you actually play like a minor mythos god, not like Azathoth or Cthulhu, <laughs> but more like Dagon or Hydra. Okay. And essentially, you are competing with other gods for power and slaves and you know c- cultists. So is this a little like Earthbound? A little bit, like except uh, you the can demon actually, the fallen supplement. Except you can actually you know like most of them have an avatar. Okay. You know if they want one, so they can possess a human. Yeah, or they can actually form like a uh, like an aspect of themselves that can interact with the physical world. Okay, so what's the main conflict of the campaign? Like, what what are the game? Like, what's the main thing that they're after? Are they just like fighting each other, or is there some universe fighting threat? each other? I mean, they're fighting each other mainly, yeah. which is like more like not. You could get into a fight with another god directly, but right. that's not. It's more your forces getting into a fighting with theirs, or. You trying to obtain the evil, you know, human flesh bound book before someone else does. Okay, uh, Caleb, any thoughts on this? Uh, uh, when you say Earthbound, you're talking about not the NES game, right? No, like there's NES, actually um, I would play the shit it, out of no, that it's, RPG. It's, for, it's a it's a part of Demon the Fallen. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, Demon the Fallen, the old world White Wolf, World of Darkness. I don't the play old, World of Darkness. I, we 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 are aware of this, <laughs> no. Caleb. Uh, the just for the listeners at home, those of you who aren't aware of it, uh, Demon the Fallen. Uh, the main premise of the game is that you're uh, a demon who's possessed a dying human or some human who just died, and so you're like, oh. Oh God, am I a fallen angel? Can I redeem myself? Uh, angst and so on. Anyways, their main enemy were earthbound, like demons who got more of their power out of hell when they escaped. So they're like ridiculously yeah. powerful. But, they're all, but instead of being bound to a human, they're bound to an object. Yeah. Mm. And the thing about the earthbound is there's a whole supplement about it where they had rules for creating an earthbound and playing them and that kind of thing. So there's there. I tried to do that for one session years and years ago and that didn't, that didn't work out. But, yeah, that that was my initial. Yeah, point. it's it's along those lines. Except you can actually more directly in, involve yourself. Okay. So uh, and also not just fighting other cults, but the investigators who are trying to keep that shit away from you. Okay. Um, and you can't. And of course, you can't just you know, you know, as Dagon rise out of the out of New York Harbor and start doing mm-hmm. shit because yeah, there's going to be some madness, but eventually they're going to. Like hey, like hey, like let's bomb this monster from afar so we don't have to look directly at it, kind of stuff. That's interesting. So you like have an inverse insanity thing where like 
uh, a tolerance. Like the mm-hmm. more you act, the more humanity builds up a tolerance to yeah. you, and the less uh, effective you are. So you have to. So like the game becomes sort of like resource hoarding, where you like, have to that, choose that, when that, and yeah. where you're going to be. But scared. you want people to go insane and upon seeing you, right? But yeah, so, uh, but it's the more they see you, the more yeah they they can see you. Okay, for me, I mean, it's, it's a great concept, but it sounds more like a board game than an actual role playing game, or like some sort of strategic. You know, resource management mm-hmm. game because, like, what are the role playing opportunities? Well, can I invent the dogma for my cult? What? Like, my, their own like rules of the religion? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm in. Now. <laughs> yeah, that's no. That it's yeah. It's, you have to work out. You work out everything. So you don't have to be evil. You could. You don't be, have to be evil. You no, could you be could, like Noden. Yeah, like Noden's just. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, if I was sorry, Lovecraftian purists. Yeah, I did bring in Darylith. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah, I'm saying like, yeah, you could actually be a, a creature, a, a you know, minor god that's benevolent if you want to. Okay. It, it's yeah, it's, basically, it's whatever whatever you want to do. Could you be a good god of robots? No. So Aaron could play. No, I mean, you could be. I, mean, I said you could be. You could be. You could be like a minor god of like you know, metal or fort. You know, like Hephaestus or something. Okay. You could make Cybermen. He'd be yeah. okay with turning people into Cybermen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would do that. Yeah, yeah right. he makes Cybermen. That's pretty horrific. You All right. Played alive and your brain gets thrown into a metal husk. But I it's mean, for the greater good. It's the pretty greater cosmic good. Horror, the greater. much like all of Doctor Who, which is terrifying <laughs> upon no, reflection. No, no, the do- no, the doctor's the other old one you don't want to encounter. Yeah. Even yeah, as a minor really god. You don't want to fuck with him. Well, that's uh, – okay, The other, my other question is, all right um, – how? Why would people? Why would these uh, be minor mythos gods work together? Because remember, role playing game, it's always always about a group. Because it's not like one player, one GM usually, unless it's you know a competitive mm-hmm. thing. But like, so how do the, Why do they work together? Or how could you possibly justify that? I would say it's. Or are they just fighting each other? Because I mean, well, the way I, I, I've imagined it, you still like you know like like many gods, like you're you're actually powered by people doing doing whatever your rituals are. Yeah. You have to have people do that. And the yeah. more people you have doing it, so you could... Like, well, I'm talking about other I know, players. About pooling your, like, pooling your resources, like, having, you know, you could, like forming like a pantheon that a, a larger group could worship. So, okay, so they, they're a pantheon, so they all have to be... Uh, so, they, so it's all about being a fucked up family. Yeah, basically. Basically. So, all right. Uh, a rich family. So it's Arrested Development, the Except Mythos with, Edition. Yeah. Is that, yeah, is, is, that a, is that a horrible mis- So no. is Azathoth George Bluth? <laughs> uh, it could be George Typing Jr. his mad directions towards you? I'm a monster! <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think Junior, because you have, you have to have the idiot aspect. Or, you know, okay. yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I'm sure uh, our commenters will uh, figure out who, who's who. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe setting-wise you could just have like a big elder god and he'd be like, look, entropy's coming. Yeah. Get your apocalypse roll. And yeah. maybe it's like a race to the apocalypse. Yeah. Like, okay. who can be the deity that ends <laughs> mankind? And it could be competitive in that way. Again, or, that's, or, do you want to keep, or do you want to keep the little mortal bastards around? Yeah, yeah. You'd have to fight them. Or you could ally. Be like, look, you can have half. You can have the Western Hemisphere. All the right. Eastern Hemisphere. And then we'll both but I, the but, I, but I want Hoboken. Yeah. <laughs> Never! <laughs> I shall raise it from the earth! <laughs> oh, no one shall. Okay, um, can we at least I, save Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> okay, uh, I think you that's a good talk. a good description of the first one. Uh, Caleb, why don't you you give us uh, your first uh, idea? All right, uh, so I had this idea called I'm calling two epochs because I'm badass yeah. and I'm going to name them unlike yeah. you guys. 
Um, and so I had this idea, like, from um, Tolkien and Skyrim, basically every fantasy epic ever, yeah. is that you have these histories of, like, magical fantasy kingdoms that even even in a freaking um, Song of Ice and Fire and stuff like that, that go on for, like, thousands of years right. with little to no technological changes. They are pretty like, just com- stasis, yeah. Completely Stagnant. superficial, like, we're still using horses, we're still using bows and arrows. It's just... They don't even rotate their crops, like... Exactly. So, like, what I wanted to do is, in two epochs, it'd be your basic fantasy game with mm. basic fantasy mechanics, you know, insert fantasy system here for nerds right. to freak out and flame war about. <laughs> but the basic the basic premise of two epochs is that you would be playing two characters and you would alternate sessions. And in the first character, you would be the the man god who ascended or something actually living through his life that becomes legend yeah. like so you'd be involved King in Arthur. the great war against the darkness right. or you know putting the demons back in the box or whatever and then in the next game afterwards so the gm would have fresh in your mind what you just did you would be playing like a group of thieves or tomb raiders or something Going through the ancient, uh, you know, tombs or background or trying to find some item based on what you just did in the previous game. And so you're kind of building up in both instances and how your story is going to end because it's like become the religion and the legend of the land in the second game. And then in game A, you're just like a person trying to do stuff. So it was okay. So it's not necessarily in the second epoch. Um, your tomb raiding, it's like, oh, we have the festival of the orc slaying, you know, where a thousand years ago. Well, yeah, something. like if you're like playing um, Sasha, the farm girl that yeah. uh, seeks for, to rescue her brother from orc raiders. Right. Uh, then in the second session, you would play like murder bane or whatever the <laughs> the thief assassin raiding the groom of shashka the great to get her rope of orc slaying like it, so it's always like the second yeah so the second session you're just like going through the back like the ruins of what you did in the first session okay and then you can also develop a separate story that happened in the second session based on like whatever political things you want to do if you're into like fantasy world building stuff okay that's interesting. And then uh, you could have like a Dragon Age two mechanic, like yeah. uh, like I don't know, some sort of point spin system where you can do something in your old story amazingly well, yeah, as if it's being exaggerated when it's told two hundred years later. So like it's a historical gray spot that right. allows you to flub a role and do really awesome at something. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, any thoughts, Tom? No, I like no, I like the idea of <clears throat> exploring the past of what, of another character you just did. Right. That's I don't think I've actually seen that in, a, in any other game yet. Not as like unified game mechanics. No. no. Uh, I mean, there would be like a rules like kind of indie storytelling game. You know, like something like Don't Rest Your Head in terms of game mechanics. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't. You definitely you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want, want D twenty or something. no. You wouldn't want yeah D and D D and D type game or something that's very rules. Well, I thick. mean, it depends on what you want. If you yeah. want like the strategic combat stuff, you could. But yeah, yeah. Well, you're I mean, basically just running two campaigns. Yeah. But they're they're interacting with each other like, right what yeah. do i want my character in the future to do next yeah and you can kind of metagame decide what your character does in the past or 
you know. Vice so versa. is the point of the of the second hand pocket is just to live your life, or is it to like create like get out of that stasis or stagnation where you're like the characters finally figures out the fucking renaissance at the end of it or something <laughs> like that? Uh, it could be. I guess it would depend on the GM. I think okay. it would just be a game mechanic to be like, all right, fantasy stories always have the right. ruins of other fantasy stories, layer upon layer upon layer of right, them. right. Uh, and, and you're just playing two at once. Like, I gotcha. And then you could, like, your GM, in contrasting the coup campaign, could, like, talk about the themes of history and stuff. Like, maybe the shit that your character in the more current timeline is doing and the legends are pursuing is just complete bullshit. Like, yeah. maybe in the last game you, like, crit-failed every role and you just sucked ass and you your brother got killed by orcs and you were left dead in a ditch and then maybe in the future like you're the great orc slayer of millions <laughs> and it's just a complete lie in history like yeah see i see that as being like the gm's interference is like um every, exactly yeah the gm is basically saying no what you actually did was totally reversed or like you're con- for propaganda purposes they totally tramped on you you became a villain instead of a hero or something like that uh and so the, yeah maybe that that could be a campaign archetype is like uh redeeming the past like trying to figure out what actually happened or something like that yeah, yeah. and then like it's a collaborative storytelling thing it's yeah. like okay why did that get perverted over the years or what changed yeah. or what does that mean now or you know I like it. I yeah, like I'm, it. I'm liking it too. I like creating I, an ongoing story between everyone. Yeah, I think the main difficulty is coming up with those mechanics to like figure out how to <clears throat> how the past influences the future, like and incorporating the other players into the same. Yeah, because the core, like the core, like stuff of fighting and magic and stuff like that, that's obviously been done. But like figuring out, like, oh, I I did this heroic action. How you know what are the mechanics for how how does that influence the future? Like, mm-hmm. what are the core mechanics for that? That that's going to be the the bugaboo for it, you know, trying to figure that out. So yeah. that that's if you can solve that, you have a great game. So um, yeah, cool. Um, okay, Ross, yes, hit one, <laughs> lay, lay one on us. All right, so this was actually the idea I had that inspired the idea for this episode uh, altogether, uh, and it comes from actually fantasy. Uh, the The thing is in D anD D, there's two kind of categories of magic items. One are just the incremental like combat powers where you get better at killing or not getting killed in in battle. But then there are the items that encourage creative thinking, you know, the Mm -hmm. idea that, um, like, immovable rods, portable holes. uh, Goddamn portable holes. Yeah, well, I haven't even gotten one in the Pathfinder game. So, uh, but feather tokens, like, oh, I can create a 60-foot-tall tree just by planting this little feather token anywhere I want? Well, I'll put it in the dragon's stomach. Ha-ha! I'm an asshole! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your level 25. <laughs> so, uh, so I had the idea of, yeah, and then taking the aesthetics, or the, the mentality of Portal, and basically uh, the idea is you're, you're all normal humans who have been a wizard put you in a massive labyrinth and uh, or you're the apprentices of this wither in order to prove yourself you have to escape this endless la- labyrinth or maze uh, using only magic items that cannot directly fight you know you don't get any vorpal swords or armor or anything like that unless the armor makes you two dimensional or something like that you know so the idea is a phys- a puzzle based role playing game using magic items to outsolve Typically unsolvable problems, you know, like how do you kill an army <laughs> with two immovable rods and a feather token or whatever, or, you know, or dust of illusion, you know. Right. So the idea is, you know, non clever uses for magic items. Uh, you're just a normal person. You can't level up your hit points. You're always going to be fragile. Uh, your skills are always going to be kind of normal. 
And uh, so you're all you kind of like the the Portal Two character, you know. You're, she's never like super badass. She's always about the same level. Uh, it's just how she uses the portal gun. So it's trying to do more with less. So and a little bit of the magic, of, you know, the video game right. kind of humor. So that that's the basic idea uh, behind it. Um, and that's as far as I got in terms nice. of the idea. No, I, uh, but yeah, like come up with new uses for items. You know, I uh, like that. I mean, I'm not exactly a. I, I'm a little ADD, but right. Well, pu- yeah, that's the thing. That's sort of like how do you get puzzle mechanics into a role playing game that's fun and innovative, you know, or at least fun. Like you don't want to do like definitely not that portal. You can't really do portal puzzles in you know uh, no. a, to a tabletop game. Like all right. Here's the room. It's you know, like here. There's thing over here, over here, over here. Well, like an hour worth of describing the room later. We've all forgotten. Yeah, like you have to come up with cat, you know, architectural diagrams. You know, (laughs) you don't want. I don't want something like that. But there's got to be ways to do this kind of thing, and that that would be the the challenge for it. Cool. I don't know, Caleb. That sounds really cool. I mean, like, I think the problem would be representing it mechanically. Yeah. You know, Portal works off. A, a really simplistic system, yeah, applied in various creative ways, like right. But there's always point A goes to point B, point B goes to point A. Gravity well, and it's very simple to constant, pick up, but, yeah. But with magical items, like they're like the problem is the, you're going to come up with solutions for the GM's problem the GM has not considered, right? And so, like that would be the only problem. But I think it'd be fun as hell to play. So yeah, but definitely like go against the typical fantasy thing of like your characters have level up and become more and more godlike as time goes on. Like I don't want to have something like that. I want to have something where the players are normal people and stay normal people. It's only through their wits and uh, that they progress through the game. So right. that, that's that's and they don't even level up the skills because there wouldn't be skills. You either use it or you don't. Like yeah. So would there even be a dice mechanic or would it just be like your own cleverness as a person? Um I would say, yeah, that would probably be the thing. Like, it would probably not... Like, I think there would have to be dice in there because, you know, there are things that you throw an item a certain direction, you don't know how it's going to fall or where it's going to land. There's certainly going to be magic items that have unpredictable effects. You know, Mm -hmm. wands of wonder. Uh, You know, uh, so... But yeah, a lot of it... it, There wouldn't be a lot of dice rolling. So, um, that would... Or maybe use cards or something like that for mechanic playing cards. Yeah. Yeah. The so, Jenga Tower. Jing, well, Dread's been done, and I'm not going to do Dread because, like, <laughs> what else can you fucking do with Dread? You can't like do resource management. You can't like, oh, well, I build my city and you know uh, like, rotate my farm. Take a like, like make a draw to see if your stadium goes up correctly. Yeah, exactly. That's that's not Sim how it City works. with Jenga. <laughs> uh, just because you can do a game doesn't Probably mean might, you should. Might be better than the one that's out now. <laughs> not that I'm bitter. True. True. Yeah. Yeah, for listeners though, they've been playing SimCity together. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. The city of Fiddler's Green. I, is it called Fiddler's That's Green? That's what I call my city. Mind Flayer City is turning into Detroit. <laughs> I've, I've, I've like taxed everybody at like twelve percent. I've shut off all civil services. I'm still hemorrhaging money. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's going, it's going bad. Libertarian paradise isn't working out for you. Yeah, eventually it I, is not. I think eventually they just they just expect you. Well, you're supposed to do the specialization money because obviously taxes aren't going to do it. I, yeah. To slightly derail, I actually heard um, the guy who made the first SimCity, Will Wright. Uh, Will Wright. Uh, he was actually kind of a libertarian when he made this, and so the way he coded the game is influenced by that. So like people would play the game, and they find out no matter how. Sh- 
uh, incredibly shitty the city was. As long as the taxes were at zero percent, no matter like Godzilla shows up, <laughs> nuclear power plant leaks, no matter fucking what happens, there's always going to be some people there. But as soon as you fucking raise the taxes from zero to one percent, they're like, "Fuck it, I'm done." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm out. So yeah, that that's the thing. Anyways, uh, top. Yeah, my next one. Uh, Kind of, a, it's I guess along some similar lines to the to uh, the last one Caleb did, but in this one the idea is playing a member of a technological underground in a completely magical world. All right, you know it's I've, I've seen the other like you know the the mist. It's in co- all kinds of comics. Final and Fantasy things. games, yeah, yeah. It's like you know the magical people that have to stay hidden from the burn gully from the technology world. No, this is different. This is the opposite. The whole world is governed by magic and mysticism, and you are a member of a group that can't use magic, but you, you're using evil science and technology. Ooh. You know, you know like, like being caught with, like, a metal alloy-type weapon would be considered a crime. <laughs> Aluminum equals yeah. death! <laughs> yeah, like, or, it's like, or if you, depending on, you, know, I have, you can even determine, like, how, you know, how is like, if you have, you know, computers now or whatever, but... Oh, that advanced. Or it's, it's, it depends on how, how advanced you want to make it. Okay. Or because, you know, we don't know the... Well, is the government, like, objectively fucking evil, or is it kind of like, yeah, they're kind of shades of gray? It's it'd be, it's more, it's more the technology is an evil evil force we don't understand and it can only lead us to damnation. Well, I mean, I understand that, that point of view, but I'm talking like overall, is the government like? I'll say that's it's. I would say it's the government can be as evil and as oppressive as you want, but I would say probably so other the GM. Yeah, but I would probably say yeah, it's you have to keep it hidden or right. at, at 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 you know on the easiest be arrested. Right. So Dumbledore has death camps for Mondays behind Hogwarts. <laughs> muggles. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Muggles. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, and I'm like not even a I, behind yeah. the prefab trailers of Hogwarts. <laughs> That's where they bury the body. And by prefab, I mean they use the same spell to make the same <laughs> yeah, buildings exactly. over and over again. Yeah. They of course. Yeah. What else would I mean? Instant cottage. <laughs> Instant death camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I like that. I mean, I like the idea of making. Uh, the like the thing is if it would be less interesting if it was like if they were basically Nazis but with you know wands no because that I was, that's I was more very... I was more saying the, the way I more picture it is it is an unknown and there are people that actually use that to their advantage kind of right. you know, like the pundits would be right you know the one like the ones who stir up the public on like the evils of this technology Father Coughlin's of the uh, yeah uh, magic and so you know you can, of course you're gonna have like sympath- sympathetic you know mages involved who right. Like, but it's, and or you know those those that's saying like he says you know everything should be looked into and researched, right? And but it's essentially it's you're you're playing characters that you have to remain hidden for right. for whatever reason. I like that. See, for me, I think the key to it would be making like sure there was actually a one a good reason why the the government was dominant. You know, mm-hmm. using magic like why magic was so dominant. Dominant and uh, two, why technology is so prohibited. Like, for example, like the reason why they all use magic is because demons exist and they pop in the world. The only thing that can stop them is magic to banish them back to hell. Mm. And if we don't do it, we'll be overrun with fucking demons. So we're going to use fucking magic because demons suck. And two, technology, well, technology interferes with magic. You know, so mm-hmm. like we're we can't banish the demons. Well, scientists say, I, I, "Oh, or, we or, can banish demons with science." Well, I don't want to take a risk. You know, so. it's, it's it's unproven, right? So that would be my yeah. thing: is like making it an actual like 
There's it's a not a clear cut case that technology is right. Like you could make a well, yeah, argument no. either way. So like that. No, no, I was never like you know not, no no I don't want anything black and white. Right. So that would be my caveat. Uh, and then like yeah, I like the idea of like they're the underclass that can't use magic. You know, they're magically it, it, resistant, it but it, they can't. It, cast it essentially, spells, it's so something like. something that always bothered me with Harry Potter. I must admit is yeah. you know. If magic is so awesome and powerful, why do you force yourselves to hide? Why aren't you ruling the world? Oh, uh, yeah. So you're Voldemort sympathizer? <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, it's, I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying it's, it's always been my problem with Superman. Yeah. If you're, if you're like basically a bulletproof demigod, yeah. why would you bother with that shit? That is Voldemort's argument. Like, I'm essentially saying, but yeah. He wants to take over the fucking world. <laughs> yes, I know. And I'm saying, like, and like, I was wondering, why is, aren't people like him more common? Are you going to have a t-shirt, Voldemort was right? <laughs> no, I'm not, Ross. I think, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I mean, like... And so we, I'm just, well, I'm just, but I kind of, I got the idea, but I was thinking, like, okay, what if, like... Getting very well, Nietzsche it's like, well, what, like, what if magic was, the, you know, the norm? Yeah. And, you know, the under, like, muggle underclasses, like, well, like, what are they going to do? Just, you know, just, like... Right, make it class warfare, like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to y- get out of our way, poors, you know? You, you, you need to pay your wand tax. We can't have to use wands. Fuck you, we need more wands, you know? It's like, it's uh, like we need gold. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts, Caleb? Uh, I love the idea. Yeah. I want to play it, and I want to see Aaron become the Antichrist. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, we finally built the first computer. Oh, no, computers summon Cthulhu in this universe for some reason. <laughs> I think I think it could be, like, maybe a great soothsayer sees the world today and is just like, nope, nope, yeah. everything's polluted and terrible. <laughs> no technology for us. They're thanks. running so out like, of helium? Really? Oh, God, we can't let that happen. Yeah, yeah, something like that. All right, I like that. All right. Uh, so, Caleb, you you had big uh, Speaking of underground stuff, um, so I had an idea. I, I was just calling it Slingstone. Um, so, basically... I think if you take out all the sophomoric like cussing and sex jokes and ab- absurd Irishness, that if Garthinus is the boys is a good gameable <laughs> concept. If you remove Garthinus from it, it, uh, it, it's a good concept. That's uh, a tricky surgery. Yeah, it is. Uh, but basically, it would be. Uh, it, it remind, nice black agents kind of made me think of this. It's like, right. what do you do if you were a mundane person who's not an idiot? Yeah. And you're up against someone who is a god for all intents and purposes. Superman hunters. But yeah, but they're like that. So basically it'd be that like espionage for superheroes. Like you have to maintain tradecraft or they can burn you to death with laser eyes. But if you organize it right, like with the right mineral weakness thing and research and stuff, you can engage them for revenge or a government or whatever you might need. So you have to pull off an Operation Black Dolphin? Yes, yeah, you have to you have to pull off some sort of thing against a superhero or a group of superheroes. Uh, maybe it's a supervillain. Maybe you're doing it for revenge. Yeah, uh, but you know the government would be against you. Um, maybe you want to off a supervillain that the superheroes just keep letting go because they have a thing against killing. Maybe you're just like, no, fuck it. The Joker needs to die. Yeah. He killed my son. He killed my wife. He killed my entire kindergarten class. I was te- nope, no. We're gonna get together and see this through. We're gonna make sure he's murdered. Like I, I just think that'd be 
a good espionage And then you find thriller. out the reason why they keep releasing him is because he's an informant who's brought down even more bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right if you want to go that grim dark, you, yeah. you totally can. But it would be, it'd be like people who are done fucking around with superheroes, which is becoming a, a trope outside of Garth Innes. Yeah. But uh, it's just that you have no powers. You're just not a fuck up. Yeah. And you want to take down somebody who's basically invincible. Yeah. No, I like that idea. Uh, I've, I've thought of that, too. Like, the idea, of, especially in the game of Cat and Mouse, like, can you outthink someone who has telepathy or x-ray vision? Mm-hmm. And um, I know, like, there, there have been parts of that in mainstream comics, like, you know, but they've been mostly been driven by plot conveniences and, like, kind of like... The thing I hate about comics is, you know, they always come up with some new element or some, aha, you didn't... I have this new vibramium net or whatever, you know, aha, I outwit you because of that. Uh, but like in the Punisher kills the entire Marvel universe, the way he gets Spider Man, he realizes he can't shoot Spider Man because of his Spidey sense. Yeah. You know, he's just gonna dodge out of the way. So he realizes, I know, I'll create, uh, I'll plant a bomb on a fake body, and that will trigger a Spidey sense, and then he won't realize I'm about to snipe him in the head. And that that's uh, the kind of thing I or like. I, I remember, the, I I actually remember like that. That was actually from a What If comic. Yeah, part. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, yeah, not no, Punisher, but the actual no, the actual one. He just what he, he is caught him when he was fighting Venom. Yeah. And then used like basically insanely powerful sonic, you know, sonic grenades to incapacitate both of them. Right, but again, that's getting more in the plot device thing. Like uh, how you know you don't have well, access okay, my to favorite, sonic. My favorite weapons. in the one where he actually kills more of, more of a unit is how he takes down the Hulk. Yeah, he just sees waits till the Hulk's on a rampage, just tags him with a tracer. Yeah, waits till he reverts to Bruce Banner and catches him when he's asleep and just. Right, right. Pops a cap in his head. Yeah, and I was thinking about that comic too. And like, you could have a range of games you could play within that setting. Like, you could do that at the low end power setting for humans. But if you really want to go up, you could do something like um, Stormwatch Team Achilles, if you ever read that. Oh, yeah, I did that. Really highly trained special operations guys trying to fight, you know, like Islamic terrorists jacked up on super soldier drugs or something. Yeah. You know, and you could you could make it more mainstream where the good guys too, but it would just have mechanics like, okay, he can hear everything everywhere around the world at all times. How do you have a conversation about killing him without Sign him Sign language. Yeah, without yeah, well, yeah, exactly, like without having him lightning burn through the wall and yeah. murder you with his hands. Like Yeah. You know. Or like or it's like one I heard, you know, like some you know, like an old gulag trick, like play chess. Yeah. Have a conversation. Most of what you say is crap, but every time your finger's touching a piece, what you say then is actually what you're really talking about. Yeah. Stuff uh, like that. Yeah, no. Um, that's the kind of thing. I think that the key to that game, though, I think the main limitation is coming up with like a concrete set of superpowers and weaknesses and strengths because again that the main the main thing that comics do that they're, they're really terrible about is whenever they write themselves into a corner they just come up with some new gimmick some new device to explain how the fuck the punisher can kill all these guys oh well he has special bullets that can kill this guy like those special bullets were never introduced before how the fuck does he have those sonic bullets or whatever you know yeah. like so you would have to come up with like here are all the known superpowers there might be one or two but it's not like they're going to get secondary <laughs> mutations or they're going to have robot duplicates it's Unless that's previously been established that they have robot fucking duplicates. You know, it's not a life model decoy. So you have to come up like there's one role playing game called Mutant City Blues where it's a it's like investigate super powered bad guys like but like do it as a crime scene. And they say, here are all the known superpowers and here's here's what they can do. Here's what they can't do. Here's the evidence they of what they can do. Um, and here's like. If you have this superpower, you can only have these kind of superpowers. You know, so they, they come up with a logical thing of like how superpowers actually work. And that I think would be the key to this. Because you can't just do generic superpowers because right. then they always plot device their way out of it. Uh yeah, I agree. And I mean, 
I think investigating the superpowers of the person yeah. that is the target would be a key part of the game. Yeah. Like, how do I inspect on this person without them knowing that I'm doing it for yeah. the devices? Or, like, do I want to work with a supervillain to do this? Yeah, like, exactly. You know, that kind of stuff. So, cool. All yeah. right. So, my, my, my second idea. Actually, an idea I had a long time ago, but Wreck-It Ralph took it. They obviously stole the idea I never published anywhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's about people, video game characters, living in a video game world. Uh, and the idea is uh, basically it's a very obviously static, stagnant society where nobody has any control over their life. And the idea is you're obviously trying to rebel and try and establish your own fate. Uh, so the basic uh, the in terms of character, like your character class would be like what your job is in the video game. So you could be like a basic minion, and you can't do much. You can do a little bit of everything, but if you die, it's no big deal. You just come back because you basically have infinite lives, you know, because mm-hmm. you're you're, you're a foot soldier, yeah, soul. or you're a shopkeeper and you have items, but you have to sell them. Uh, you can't just give them away because you're a shopkeeper, not a not a charity service. But and you're also you can't even be attacked. Like you're you're you like it's not physically possible to target you in an attack. Like you know the ultimate evil bad guy is just going, oh well, you're selling them healing potions. Well, fuck, you know I can't really do anything about that. Uh, and or if you're so the the idea is to take these kind of tropes. And then uh, the conflict would be you get to choose between keeping those tropes and being stagnant or trying to change and becoming more of a complex character but losing some of those invulnerabilities. So it's like giving up your old self and becoming something new. Right. Uh, and then dealing with a world that is totally fucked up, you know, because it's – yeah. So that 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 is the basic – it would be an indie rules light storytelling focus game. Um, and I actually wrote outlined it, but I never got anywhere w- with it because I couldn't figure out, you know, how that all that would work out, or I I was just too lazy to to, to try and figure out all the classes. So I don't know. yeah, no, it sounds interesting. I mean, especially I think you'd really I think you'd have to actually map out the classes themselves. Yeah, that was that was my big. There, and there'd be a lot of them. Well, that that was the thing trying to get it into a manageable number. You know, like do you minor NPC versus main character versus like. Old school versus new school. Like, actually, uh, just when we were talking playing Dead Space 3, I actually thought of a new mechanic for it, which is, like, you could be the old school character who believes in the Old Testament of video games. Like, checkpoints are for weaklings, you know, uh, versus the new characters who can just sit in a corner and regenerate health, and if they die, they come back at a checkpoint. Uh, kits, what are those? But on the other hand, the old school characters have access to glitches and exploits that, you know, because their games are buggier, you know. Uh, their skills are also higher. Yes, their skills are also higher, because they have to be in order to survive. It's very yeah. dark winning and struggle uh so that's that was my idea for that uh but you know struggling versus static versus dynamic uh kind of material i think it'd be fun i'm not sure how a campaign could possibly work well it'd be rules light yeah, so you do so like maybe like, a two or three yeah party. it'd be a two it'd or be three like or a thin but, little paperback yeah. you know 10 20 bucks no it'd be fun i'd, I'd play that for certain yeah, yeah. Uh, i think i'd play um little child npc that gets rescued Oh yeah! Like I'd be fetch mission NPC. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything. But like, if I get kidnapped or something, hordes and hordes of heroes are going to come save me. See, that would be a good idea. Like right. the whole thing would be hijacking video game mechanics to try and overthrow the video game hierarchy. Yeah. So like, the fetch tr- can give other players quests. Be like, your new quest is now to overthrow the. System. I'm also a child, so I can't die in the game. You can't even. If, be, if people don't, like re- if people don't rescue me, then they just die. Yeah. For not rescuing me. Oh, wow, yeah. Reload. <laughs> yeah, like it'll just go dark. You failed. 
Oh man! And you never actually see me get killed. Yeah. <laughs> like a character character in a fighting in a fighting game. That's yeah. all you can do. Yeah, you, you can just fight someone else who's another fighter. Yeah, you can substitute your fighting skill for like social right. skills. Okay, like, occasionally, like you could like break a car. For yeah, you could you could like uh, you break it conveniently. This is as still as I can stand. <laughs> uh, Gravity Falls. That was a good episode. Uh, so, all right. So that was that was my idea. It's pretty pretty okay. simple. But um, Wreck It Ralph. It would be, be it would be different than Wreck It Ralph. Okay, it would be better. All right. Anyway, yeah. So anyway. All right, my third idea is all the players would essentially be members of a movie crew. Yeah, partaking in a you know kind of like you are like you have a movie you're trying to make that you you know determine ahead of time. The thing is, you're in a contest. You have like to get your movie finished. Mm. Only this is one of those it's one of those situations where anything goes. If you want to assassinate the writer, the scriptwriter for your, uh, an opponent's movie. You can actually do that. So, so are you all trapped in the same location, or are you like in the same city? In the same city, actually, in the same or the same region. Yeah, depending on what kind of movie you're trying to okay. shoot. So, you know, you're like you're your location scout. You'd want to have like he's a professional location scout and a sniper, or so, yeah. or like you know, or knows or knows recon. Yeah. So you know, it's essentially you're trying to finish your movie, and it has to be a good one. You can't just like I'm going to do some avant-garde movie, The Red Balloon, so I can just stay in this one room all the time, or do Skyline, where it's an epic alien invasion shot from this one apartment. Yeah, it has to be a good one, and essentially, but you, you can do anything to sabotage the other other crews, up to and including assassination, blowing, stealing their stealing props, kidnapping actors they've hired. Okay, and um, so what is the backstory? What is the justification for this? My question, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of got go along like, dystopia, and, uh, like dystopian Hunger Games type thing. Dystopian Hunger Games, except right. it's shooting a movie. So you still, so essentially, and also you're only like you have to obtain your own budget, mm-hmm. which can sometimes mean. You know, robbing. You know. Jesus, that's pretty uh, hardcore. Oh, I actually have an idea. I have. A, I, I just have a backstory for this. It okay. explains it. All right. So in the far future, this this dystopia uh, things suck, and computers become very scarce because mm. they can't get the rare earth materials for them. Blah blah blah. So they can't use them on frivolous things like computer animations, uh, and uh, they start. The government starts seizing computers and that kind of thing, or all but all the high powered stuff that. Or previously used to make big budget mm. movies, and of course the movie studio, and of course life becomes very cheap because you know overpopulation and global warming and blah 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 blah. So uh, you know, like, dystop- future dystopia suck. Mm. Um, so the government uh, and the, the movie studios come up. Re- they, as soon as they stop using hundreds of millions of dollars CGI movies, uh, their their box office starts dropping like precipitously. So in order to bring back crowds to the theaters and to TV screens or, you know, view screens or whatever they have in the future, uh, they realize, well, we can't use much CGI anymore because we don't have many computers. Well, why don't we just make them a reality game with, and they, they, they started out non-lethal, but they got more and more violent. Mm. So it's been like 50 years of this now. Now it's just like, yes. And so, uh, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Good backstory. Now I was kind of thinking like you have to, like you have to balance it out. Like, okay. It's like, all right, we're going to take out, we're going to take out their executive producer who resigns all the checks. Like, yeah. But if we could get an awesome shot for our movie at the same time, yeah, it's essentially you have like you have to make sure the others don't do as good as you. Okay, 
But at the same time, yours has to be really good. So everyone's on the same. All the players are on the same film crew. Yeah, yeah they're all working together for that. And of course, like you know, there's how many, however many teams they're going to be. They're going to be going after you, right? All right. What if only one movie gets made per year, and yeah. that's what the competition is for? So since they've limited it for the comp, for the computer use, like, yeah. What if you can get a CGI budget, but only one movie per year? So this is, the and comp- so it's like. In order to like make up for all of Hollywood's like money, it has to be the best movie ever every yeah. year. And so they're using like Darwinian evolution, but for film directors. So like, like the, the weak shall be culled from the and course, heart. Like, and of course, it's dystopian. So there's all kinds of wars. So there's no shortage of people that are willing. To the people die for people their that heart. are out of work but know how to use weapons and right. Um, I like yeah no like uh, uh, well so so Kale for so for your idea. Is like the CGI movie is like a normal produced normally, but in order to win the right to make that movie, you have to, you have to be the last film crew alive, right? So you're <laughs> you're, you're for, so are they just making a short to be like their their entry into to to prove that they can make the big movie or what? I, I think they just shoot footage until they're okay. the last one standing. So basically, okay, so whoever's left standing, they then throw the CGI at. It. <laughs> oh, is it, yeah. well, but, then you get the millions of dollars. To like, but, make it better like, unless, post. unless of course you can. Fuck actually, it, we'll do it in post. <laughs> uh, or, yeah. Unless of course that could be the like, name of the game. Well, fuck it, fuck we'll, it do. we'll do well, it. Well, yeah, it's last one standing, or if you actually film a movie. Yeah, and get you know, and actually make it make it good and submit it. Yeah, and it's better than anything else. And it's, so even if like. So even if, you know, so even if there's like if multiple teams actually finish their movie, yeah, then it comes down to well now it's down to the best one, Ooh. which is done by a by a team of you know a team of veterans, like, uh, veterans and a, the MPAA Death Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, movie piracy is a little uh, harder to do now. And I was and I was kind of th- I was probably thinking like it's not like the whole once they got the legally right it's like, not, to, like, it's, like, it's not that the pirates. whole other the whole other crew gets killed. Yeah, the director. Yeah, he gets killed. Of course, but, but no one gets paid on, uh, on all, any of the losing sides. So the director, he's his life's on the line. Yeah. But the others, I mean, and there's also like the paycheck is like huge for anyone working on this. Right. So wait, there's some grip out there. It's just like, yeah, I've seen 36 directors get shot in the yeah, head. Basically, <laughs> I've been working for 40 years and never been paid once. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, oh well he'd have to, well, yeah, obviously, he'd be down, he'd be down at the local. This is a labor of love. My wife supports me. She's a nurse. She patches up all the wound. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's Oh, it. wow. Uh, so it's 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 filmmaking with guerrilla warfare. Yeah, no, I like. One, you know, there is one thing um, that RPGs I don't think have really done very well, and that's kind of like project management in the sense of like guiding a long term project that requires the help of many people mm-hmm. from beginning to end. So like make it like an RPG that actually has mechanics for like how do you make a good movie? Yeah, no, it's no, or, it, would, it would have both. It, you, yeah, you, it would have the regular combat mechanics yeah. and managing right managing your crew right. Um, but you know, like how do you, or I mean, the, so the kind of mechanics. Yeah, to cover so, that and of course, the would players really would be like the really important people. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, like you, you want they're like, the above the line people. Yeah, know? yeah, like like the producer <laughs> whose job it is to get money. Right. You want to hire a guy like says so like yes, I produced personally twelve films myself, and I was and I was one of the be- best professional thieves in the world for <laughs> ten of years. Of course, yeah. So you you you'd want a professional producer who also has like robbed banks. Right, right. 
Okay. Because, you know, you're not going to get, the studios aren't going to give you any money except some basic startup money. Sure, of course. Because this is a, a role-playing game. The best boy with an eye patch, facial tattoos, <laughs> yeah. teeth, well, sharpened in the knife the minions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Above the line would be like producer, director, script writer, and the uh, main, and the cast. Oh, yeah. we have to, yeah, the actors, like. And their entourages, like that, was the main thing. A lot yeah. of leadership feats and minions and stuff like that. Like, like uh, the I would the, actually say the like, actor, the Mook Shield. No, I, I, would but actually, entourage I would actually shield. say like you know, but the actors still have the Screen Actors Guild. You can't kill them. <laughs> you can kidnap them. Oh, of course. Or uh, or make it to, to where they don't want to work on the. Especially depending on well, the can star, you scar them at least. You know, like Depend- okay, if we'll undo that plastic okay, surgery. Well, unless- not if they're like aliens. Have you ever seen Cecil be demented? Yes, <laughs> it sounds like eerily like Cecil be demented. I think, yeah, I haven't thought of that, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, you know, I think like, like you know, could have actors like there's the A-list. Yeah, that you cannot touch them because they're A-list stars. Uh, okay. Now the ones, the ones who are just you know like the B-list actors, you can actually hurt them. Right. And like extras, you can just. Mow down. Right. Well, of course. They're extras. But it, whereas in, like A-list stars, if they, first you have to convince one to be in your movie. Yeah. So you actually have to be able to pitch and do so. I, I think a player should be able to be an actor if they want to. Yeah. I, I, I think that should be a thing. But yeah, no, I like it. Um, that, that's a very... <laughs> Hard, hardcore, I say. I, it, it's a very interesting concept. I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, so Caleb... I don't want to go after that one. I feel oh, like I see. Anything's going to be disappointing. Do you want me to go right? then? <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll go. I'll, do you want me to bring? I'll go. I'm ready to go. No, I'll, I'll go. I'll All go. right. All right. Uh, so I've been uh, looking in. I've, I've been reading a lot of The Sixth Gun lately by yes. Kanban, and uh, I came late to we that. mentioned on the podcast before. Yeah, I came late to that comic. Yeah. Uh, but I like it. I, I like that it's like Weird West, but like not every human knows how to do magic and stuff. There's right, right. Like, it's not a deadline. Dark shit in the world, yeah. Yeah. But you have guns. Yeah. Know, and and grit and stuff. Um, so uh, I, I had an idea because I've been, like, researching a bunch of Western systems, and I'm not really thrilled with any of them. Uh, and so uh, I, I had an idea, and I'm calling it Towards Hell and Legend. So basically it's kind of like um, if you've ever read – uh, Midnight Nation, that comment by Michael J. Straczynski. I've read a few issues. Yeah, where like people who just are kind of on the outside of society just kind of drop off into this middle world. Um, so there is like this middle world, but it's the frontier. Like it's the liminal state between like what humanity knows to be reality and what is obviously not reality. And it's kind of this fuzzy magic area. And so the game would be there and somewhat ahistorical. Because I feel like a historical western is either too depressing or just noir with horses. Yeah. Uh, if you're actually sticking it's to a bunch of drunken, smelly people shooting, shooting each other while they're on the in the outhouse and stuff. Yeah. Like it's not very heroic. Yeah. So like the reason why the OK Corral shootout is so famous is because it was the actual like legitimate gunfight of the old West. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like there weren't not that somebody many getting of shot. Them. Like yeah, yeah. so it'd be ahistorical and more fun that way. But there would also be like weird West stuff. Yeah. Um, and so the basic mechanic, you'd be on the frontier. Um, if you headed west, because you're not in a state anymore. Yeah. You're getting closer towards magic. If you're heading east, you're trying to get closer towards reality. Uh, but the thing is, once you're in the frontier, you can't leave. You're trapped there. And the only way to get out is to become a legend so that you go so far west that you get power. 
uh, that can bring you back to the reality if you so choose. Mm. Uh, but if you go too far west and you don't have that power, you go to hell, basically. So it's about um, there'd be a stunt mechanic, and I picture something like Moxie. Um, and it'd be a little like Iron Heroes. The only way to get more of the moxie, which I'm calling gumption, would be to do you know ridiculously dangerous thing at dice penalties. Uh, I think there'd also be a gambling mechanic. Like, okay, I'll give up two of my gumption points and take a minus 40 on this roll, but then I'll win three if I pull this off and stuff like that. Um, and the thing is, is like... You need to get, like, magic items, because I, I like the six gun. I like the idea like that. Uh, but you also need to, like, perform enough daring, badass Western deeds right. before you get west so that uh, you become legend instead of go to hell. Right. You know? So um, the the whole thing about becoming a legend actually reminds me a little bit of Unknown Armies. Uh, have you read much about I have not. Um, it's a Greg Stoll's uh, RPG, and the, it's a modern horror. Uh, I actually have a copy. But the, the basic premise, is, one of the things in the game are avatars, and the idea is you can become the mother or the wandering, uh, uh, the lone warrior. I forgot what they are. But the idea is you live up by doing things in, the, in this archetype. Uh, you eventually become the avatar of this archetype, and you gain powers based on it. So it's a very similar kind of mechanic. Like you're trying to live up to the potential of the mother, you know. And like whenever you protect children, you gain bonuses against gunfire or whatever. So you become more and more supernatural as you start walking to this. But only one person can actually be the avatar of the archetype. So there's like struggles between who will be this uh, uh, avatar and who won't be. So um, it's a really cool mechanic. And like there's one for the merchant where at the highest level you can actually buy and sell anything. Soul. <laughs> concepts, nice love, like it's it's pretty crazy. Nice. Um, and so, anyways, that's my first thought on it, uh, Tom. I like the uh, I kind of like the idea to it. Uh, I, I I love idea. I love like worlds are hidden within worlds type stuff. Right. I I really love that concept. And it's, I like the old west when it's done right. But yeah, for the most part. Yeah, the the romantic old west never existed. Yeah, no. I, In fact, yeah, fun uh, fun fact. You know the you know the, the the typical two got two men standing across the town square. Yeah, quick drawing, and that's only ever happened actually one time. Yeah, I was in actually Springfield, Missouri's town square. Wild Bill, Wild Bill Hickok and someone else. That's the only time that happened. In recorded history. In recorded history. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, everybody who plays a Western game wants to do that, though. And, like, mm-hmm. Western RPGs are either, like, trying to simulate realistic stuff, which is ridiculous. Or they come <laughs> up with this, like, like oddly specific alternate history which you can do this like Deadlands is just ridiculous. Like it was like, well, now the Reckoners have come. I'm just like, oh god, it reeks of New World of Darkness with well, yeah, because like, the thing it's is so meta plotty, and I'm just like, and if you just like keep it like liminal and kind of archetypal, yeah. I think that would be far more fun than like having a really defined system because that way you could have like, okay, you're in the frontier, but there's still this evil land baron going after these other people trapped at the frontier so you want a regular western story that's there yeah. or maybe you run across the, the lost wagon train and they are all cannibalistic monsters and <laughs> you've got like you know so you can do whatever kind of story you want if you keep it ill defined like that but you know you can still have fun and not make right. it unforgiven where you're just like I'll kill you if you come out and my wife's dead <laughs> 
Like, like <laughs> it's that's not woo escapism that anybody wants to play. So <laughs> yeah, like three of my kids died from the rickets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Last night I saw a jackrabbit with a woman's face. Yeah, I think your first game should be like Unforgiven. And so there, there is weapon. some civilization in the frontier. There are like towns and yeah, there's other there's people out there, but they're like they've dropped off of society. So they're kind of like, are they aware they're in the frontier? Or yes, they, they're aware. Right. They're okay. Kind of reminds me of a movie, uh, movie Purgatory. Yeah, a lot like that. That's okay. what I would like it to be like. Only vaster, so yeah. you could go not just so one timeless. Town. Yeah. yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, that was a good movie. So uh, I know you mentioned earlier when you were playing Dead Space 3 that you wanted a lot of magic items in it too. So is that like a common thing? Well, uh, my if I did a campaign of it, my my first picture is like I I, I rewatched Afro Samurai because I made a poor choice. Yeah. The other day, and wait, I, you what rewatch what uh, Afro Samurai? Cause oh I yeah. made a poor choice and chose to watch that. <laughs> uh, and the the thing is, is, like I like the setup of the number one and the number two. Yeah. Um, and, but I hate the actual series. Uh, so, like, I think there would be the Genesis gun, which is the gun that the best gunfighter has, and he's immortal. Yeah. And then there's the Revelation gun, which is the only gun that can kill the person holding the Genesis gun. Yeah, no, I like that. And that, that was, I did, yeah, when I first watched Afrosite, I was like, that's a badass idea. That is a badass <laughs> idea, and I would totally steal that if I ran it. And, like, the whole thing would be, like, you're trapped in, you know, the mundane actual West, and then the conflict between the two guns enters your world because both the men who so have... it's a little, like, Ravenlock that Because both the men that have yeah. them are, are legend. Yeah. And then you get dragged in, like, you make a posse with your PCs and you go chase them, but then you're in the frontier. And then it's all a matter of, like, how do I accrue enough power to face these guys with these guns? And I would have, like, other medical items called just the kit. And they'd be other, like, embodiments of the West. So there'd be the chain. And anyone hooked to the chain is enslaved in body yeah. and soul. So or it's like creepy the, magic the, thing. Or the cards. Right, right. Are there'd be, like, yeah, are there'd be, uh, like, um, boots that make you faster. because Yeah, and everything would be, like, yeah, whiskey, uh, you ignore all wound penalties and traumas. But uh, you're instantly addicted to alcohol. Like, so yeah. it, it would everything would have like some serious drawback. But no, like people would be magic. Right. You would just like you would get these things that embody magic, and you could use them or not use them depending on how much you felt it was important. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. And the the basic premise would be like the one thing that they leave behind in the gunfight that the posse has is the map, and so the map just has X's on it. Right. And so you go to the X's, and that's where the next thing is. And we get the roofing nail of truth. Yeah, the roofing nail of truth. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and that would be enough for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm sold on that. Uh, it does need some, obviously, some good cinematic style uh, stunt rules and gunfight rules and that kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be uh, I'm all for that. that. Yeah, no, I'm, go for it. Uh, so, uh, so I guess that's uh, my turn. And... Uh, my last idea is uh, basically uh, recently I read up on uh, w- rebel fighters and fighting in Liberia, which is very brutal and very just depressing as hell. Uh, but like a lot of these other people, you know, they're very have no education. They, they have very superstitious beliefs. And one thing that's sort of particular to the Liberia is they believe that if they some of these fighters believe if 
they have conflicting identities. If they're, you know, they're a man, but they wear women's clothing, then bullets can't find them. Like it harm it, enemies, you know, their their attacks will not find them. Or uh, so the, you see these photos of these guys. Uh, these young rebels in wedding dresses or, you know, uh, wigs and very elaborate costumes, but they, they believe that they're magic. And so my idea is obviously what if, you know, magic was real and we, we made a version of this, like, uh, the same kind of dynamic where the reason that these rebels get recruited is because the warlords go to them and say, I will teach you magic. I will teach you become part of this elite secret society and you will have power over other people. And that's very alluring to these young people. So America or the West, uh, mythos magic is discovered or, you know, becomes very popular. And so these war, these people, like I want to conquer, you know, all of Hoboken. Yeah, well, all of Hoboken. Uh, <laughs> and I have enough magic to do that. I will just get armies of teenagers to, you know, and I will teach them a little bit of magic and we'll give out guns to everybody and the government can't stop us because they, because the thing is in this setting, in this game, magic will actually be real. It will be horrific, but you can actually cast a bullet, a spell to make you bulletproof. Uh, and so the PCs are all people who have like gone through this. And they've left the army like their army, their their unit was wiped out and they just wandered away or they fled into the night because these are very chaotic and very chaotic, you know, very disorganized kind of groups. And so the idea, you know, America and the rest of the world is torn apart by civil war by these you know, competing warlords. There's monsters roaming around. They're, they're summoning unnatural things. And so the idea is, you know, you have this source of power that traumatized the hell out of you. And it's pretty dark. It's not easy to use, um, but you can. Are you going to use that to fight evil? Are you going to just try and find peace in your life? You know, what is what is your conflict? Uh, and then in the game mechanics, the main thing is uh, one thing I've wanted to do for a long time in a role playing game is create a system of magic that anyone can do. As long as you know, the, like magic, if you actually read the historical magic, you know, spells, they're just like do this, this, and this, and you can talk to a dead guy, or you can summon a demon, or you can make someone fall in love on you. It's not like. Hogwarts are where you have to be inherently magical. Right. It's like literally like the laundry, you know, yeah, form yeah. the instructions in the right order. Yeah. Don't fuck it up and you'll be fine. Yeah. But everyone fucks up. But like the thing is, that, so the idea is create a system of magic where like you just get a system of instructions. And like, if you do this, you've cast, you, you perform this ritual. You're now bulletproof. You've sacrificed the goat. You've covered yourself in the blood. You spoke the right words and you did it under the moonlight. You're bulletproof for the next six hours. Good luck. You know, uh, so anyone <laughs> can do it. So the players can literally teach other people, magic by just telling them what to do uh which case they're like hmm do i really want to do this you know and it's more yeah what are the effects of power and you know what what kind of things you do kind of reminds me of a movie cast a deadly spell yeah it's basically it's like set in like la in the 40s right everyone uses magic and it and it is just anyone can use it if they learn right so yeah i like that a lot so especially when magic's not all Awesome and great. Well, I don't like the idea. Yeah, so the the idea of like only special people can do magic is very mm-hmm. ahistorical. So, well, it would be the apocalypse. Yeah, like it. Would, I'm telling you, yeah, it's civil yeah, war. It's like, it, I, I mean, like, but like, really, there's nothing the PCs could do. Like, it would be the apocalypse. But once you put like how to be bulletproof spells on the internet, it's pretty much game over. <laughs> like for human society, I, I think like collapse would be imminent 
Well, I think the thing is, um, I think it would be possible. I would posit that there would be a way. If you kill the warlords, uh, then maybe perhaps the rules of the universe change and the spells would no longer work or something like that. There may be a way to end magic or something like or that. Or like maybe the government would make owning all goats illegal. Right. Or exterminate goats or something. Right, right. I, I don't know, but like it would be... Real tough to survive. I'm not saying it would be like easy, but I'm saying I would, if I were to create this game, I would make it so that there would be, it would be possible to do it. It would just be ridiculously hard. And, Fair we, enough. and we'd have to give up a lot. Right. Uh, but the idea, yeah, the obviously is stopping the warlords. If you can stop the fighting, you know, because the warlords are the one organizing and agitating this, then you can get stop start repairing the damage but as long as they're out there fighting each other trying to claim territory you know who knows so and of course there would be mysteries and revelations and like aha this is why things are like they are it's a secret conspiracy of sparkly vampires ah, yeah i quit yeah, fuck you <laughs> all right or uh, the, no that that would be what unites everyone together <laughs> kill them i'm still someday i am going to run that game of twilight without edward and uh, edward and bella where the idea is Charlie Swan, dad, just Charlie Swan Vampire Hunter. <laughs> I saw it on I saw it on a post on Tumblr. This is the thing I will do. Where it's like one of you is Charlie Swan, one of you is old buddy who happens to be a werewolf, and the other one's a town doctor who happens to be a vampire. You have to stop the bad vampires from killing people. Charlie Swan couldn't do shit. They're so ridiculously overpowered. Like they could shoot lightning out of their hands. They could fucking teleport. Charlie Swan would die. <laughs> like, vampires have more fucking powers in that goddamn book than series mages. than Superman. <laughs> like, they can make mini vampires that they shoot out of their fingernails. I don't know. It's absurd. Well, I would, there would be some positive that Charlie Swan would, Charlie Swan would be the plot device, and there would be, <laughs> instead of Bella, so there would be something special about him. He gets Boosh. by on mustaches. And yeah, exactly. Or maybe, I know, he's the anti-vampire. Anything within 100 feet of him loses their vampire powers. <laughs> They're and still they're still tough, but they can't shoot lightning out of their hands or something <laughs> like that. Just work your dark magic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a drunk Charlie Swan is indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> or you could be a Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know. He could be. Yeah. So we'll we'll figure it out. But uh, so I think that 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 kind of sums up our game ideas. And everybody else kind of got the their yeah. three ideas. So uh, stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. So when we come back, we'll have shout-outs and anecdotes. Uh, we're, we're running a little long, so we won't do the letter, so we'll do that next time. Yeah. Besides, Caleb's here. Caleb's here. Say, say hi again, Caleb. Yay. Hello. Yay. It's profound. All right. So we'll be right back. We're back, and uh, that music, which I have not chosen yet, is pretty awesome. Don't you think? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I choose the music after we record the episode. It brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> it's like, should have sent a poet. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, in terms of shoutouts, uh, I will. I, I have a bunch, but uh, first off, I would like to mention, give a shout out to two podcasts, gaming podcasts uh, that I've talked to recently. Uh, one is Idle Red Hands. Uh, they're expat gamers in Japan, and they do a podcast about Japan and games. 
Which, sure. Uh, they have two episodes about Tokyo, which uh, I listened to and used as reference for the Tribes of Tokyo game I'm running right now. Uh, that's nice. where I found out about Kabukicho, which is a nasty little district full of bars and crime. And uh, you guys know all about Kabukicho now. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then the Haste podcast, they're the, the podcast of the people who do the Obsidian Portal, the campaign tracking wiki people. Uh, and I interviewed one of their... Uh, the co-host of that a little while ago and they won the silver inning last year and uh, I didn't hang out with them last year at Gen Con because I had to go to Scott Glancy's game for you know Gen Con yeah. but I want to give them they, they do a good nice podcast nice job you guys uh, they do a good po- uh, podcast and they're doing a Kickstarter right now which I mentioned on the interview in more detail to upgrade uh, Obsidian Portal so you know there are those awesome podcasts uh, Caleb you had one. Oh, we're going to chat us yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, last week at movie night, we watched Breaker Breaker, which yeah. is awesome and like the best dirty world scenario I've never run. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the riff tracks of it, by the way. Yeah, so uh, Chuck Norris yeah. is the trucker of all the truckers. and Even he, without a mustache. You can tell he's the most powerful trucker because he's the only trucker that doesn't have to wear a ridiculous hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking not just like cowboy hats or trucker hats. Chef's hats. Like tri-point Napoleonic war hats. Like, <laughs> yeah. it is awesome. And uh, there is this crazy, crazy, I remember the name of the town. It was ridiculous. Uh, it was like Texas Corners or something? Yeah. Or, it, like, it, in California. In California. <laughs> yeah, it's like something ridiculous. There's this crazy town run by this crazy corrupt mayor. He's like a Shakespearean actor. He's yeah, like who performs Shakespeare. Chewing the scene. And, like, he runs a speed trap in this town exclusively for truckers. And he imprisons Chuck Norris's little brother on his first run. And so Chuck Norris goes to this town and, oh, God, I don't want to give too much away, but aside from kicking everything in sight... <laughs> He eventually gets a CB radio and brings and calls down the convoy, and it's it's insane. Like these truckers are just like speed trap, fuck that, and like <laughs> they come in like droves and they just start driving through buildings. Like there could be women and kids in there. Just, yeah, no, they could. like everyone in this town's involved in the speed trap and fuck these guys, and they just mow the town down with truck. It's like duel on crack. I think that. I mean that that that, that the finale is pretty fuck, fucked up, but I think the David Lynchian parts of the middle of the movie, like this is not just a, a, a small little town. This is a fucked up weird town. <laughs> yeah, This yeah. is really weird. And uh, I think though my single favorite what the fuck moment was the Chuck Norris is fighting a guy in a junkyard, and there's a helicopter overhead <laughs> shouting. <laughs> I forgot about the helicopter. Like, they you know, like, he's trying to tell the bad guys where Chuck Norris is, but he's just, like, using a PA system or something. I don't even, loudspeaker? A CB I, radio from the 70s. I, I, yeah, I, he doesn't have a gun. He has no other capabilities but to yell over a PA, and I, I have to craft some sort of scene in a game like that where there is yeah. someone just flying overhead commenting in audio. Like and the new Bryson Springs. Yeah, yeah, and like that's their only function. Oh, it was Bryson Springs. Yeah, is to yell random nonsense. Yeah. Because clearly the, the legacy of Rising Springs fucked up the collective psyche of this town. <laughs> and they're all like at half I don't know how that explains the hats. 
The 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 hats put it definitively in a different universe. Right. This also the airbrush band here. <laughs> Strode. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So Tom, you have. I have a one. It's a Skyrim mod that totally is. I think they made just for me. Yeah. It's called Lizards of Skyrim. You can find it on the uh, Steam Workshop. It essentially turns every NPC in the game world into an Argonian. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And say, they keep the same voices and everything. It even does it for children, and those look freaky. Um, it's what I always wanted. Yeah. yeah. Have you... Um, but yeah, it's per, it's like my mod. Yeah, yeah well, of course. Uh, there's a another mod I heard about, I haven't played it yet, uh, where they turn Skyrim into like... Uh, like it's on the equator all of a sudden. Like it's hot, warm and jungly and like it's... Have you, have you seen I, it? I haven't heard of that one, no. Oh, man. Like it, they totally reworked it to where it's like a warm environment. Like a jungle-like or desert-like environment or something like Damn. that. Yeah. It's really crazy. Um, it but, would make sense. My favorite thing to do in Skyrim was to go as far north in the map as possible, jump into the ocean of ice in full armor and just swim around. (laughs) (laughs) And now nothing happened to me. Just like, yep. Hey, Horker. Hey, Walrus. I'm comfortable, too. (laughs) Take off all my clothes. Yep. Still fine. Uh, (laughs) I was like, hey, you ever heard of hypothermia? (laughs) Neither have I. (laughs) Um, I would like, my next shout out would be a movie, uh, The Corridor. It's on Netflix. Uh, It's on Amazon, too. It's a interesting little horror movie about Five friends. One of them's crazy. Uh, stabs another friend through the hand. This is in the first five minutes of the movie. Uh, and then years later, they go to the his, uh, the crazy guy. His mother dies, and you get the crazy guy gets his cabin, her cabin, and he invites everybody else to try and reconcile with him. So it's about them going to the cabin for the weekend in winter, in cold, in a cold place, uh, and try and reconcile. And of course, they're all in their forties, and you know, one guy's a jock, one guy's a nerd, but they're all friends. But there's tensions, and then fucking Yogg-Sothoth shows up. It's all is the only way I can put it. It's like first con. Contact with a great old one because you know it, it, you just see how humanity their, their sanity is just melting under just just brief contact with this thing uh and it's not really a thing it's just like a corridor it's like this place where reality is different and uh i don't want to give it much more away but it's if you want to see it i like the movie because for me it's like what happens when humanity meets a great old one? Like, not like the great old one's even aware of their existence. You know, it's just like it's just kind of there in that environment, and the just briefest contact high with the great old one, and it gets fucked up. Did you see it, Caleb? Or I did not. I okay, it's really good. Uh, well, it's not like the best movie, but it's worth watching. Anyway, you had a. Um, so I, I picked these up a while ago, and I finally got a chance to read them. They're called the Graphic Canon, uh, mm. C-A-N-O-N. Uh, and what they are is they're these – they're supposed to be – I think they're supposed to be three volumes eventually, and two volumes are out. They're these gigantic, like, coffee book-sized – coffee table-sized books yeah. uh, that are collections of graphic novel adaptations – of canonical literary works and they're not the whole thing obviously they're abridged but like it's really cool and it moves like uh it's it's global and it moves um it moves historically so like it's really interesting uh how tale of genji and all that. yeah like tale of genji's in there and like it's really out there for world literature like they go all of like they talk about incan plays i'd never heard of like and I'm English major for six years. I'd listen, but like they bring up a lot of world literature 
that I hadn't heard of before, and they right. have little um, historical essays and and uh, academic essays before each one that are only like four or five paragraphs long. Wow! So they're pretty easy to read. But then it's like really cool because you get to see like how does R. Crumb do Gilgamesh? <laughs> All right. Uh, I read his Bible. Have you read the uh, Old Testament? That's in there. They but uh, they included this other guy's version of Revelation. And oh wow, like, that must be fucked up. Yeah, it's really it's it, and it's really cool. Like, and they do like uh, some of the interpretations are really out there. Like the Dante's Inferno one is like the latest one from the absurdist comic guy. Oh yeah. So like, there's a lot of really cool like indie comic stuff. Some of it's color, some of it's black and white. They're really expensive, but like if you're into comic books, they're like great coffee table books. Um, I would have I would have used them in the classroom if there weren't so many boobs. But like they do Lys- <laughs> they do Lysistrata, and it's you know, a Greek sex comedy. Like, no sex yeah. So I'm all the way through the first one, and I've just started on the second one. And that, I think that takes us up Wait, to Is like, that the Golden Ass, or is that... I'm thinking of another one. Uh, no, Lysistrata is where, like, all the women in Sparta stop the war with the Athenians by agreeing to not have sex with any of the men. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like American Pie with Greeks, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, and it's really well done, and, all of his, and they do, like, King Lear and, like... But I, I, I'm about done with this one, and then the next one I think goes up to like Pride and Prejudice, and I think they're going to go all the way to like Infinite Jest with the third volume. Wow! And it's just like four or five pages of each, but like it's a really cool coffee table book, and uh, I like it. It's expensive as hell, but worth it in my. Opinion. It sounds like it. Um, next up, I have uh, speaking of books. Um, there's a uh, one of the influences on Lovecraft was this guy named William Hope Hodge, Hodgson, uh, and he was right around the 1890s or early early 20th century. He was killed in World War One, uh, which was a tragedy, of course, because he was a great writer. He wrote uh, two of his best known books are The Borderland and The Nightlands, and they're incredibly fantastic, evocative really weird fucking fantasy or uh, uh, fiction. But The Nightland has been kind of criticized because it's really hard to read. It's really archaic, even by early 20th century pulp writer standards, which if you it's it's public domain, so you can look it That's up. That's pretty damn archaic. Oh, have you looked? Just, just skim it. You'll see. You're like, holy shit, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, but it's public domain, so uh, about 10 years ago, this guy, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, and I'm sorry, but he rewrote it so it was actually comprehensible or easier to – like something you could just sort of burn through and – but keeping the same story. And basically the Nightland is in the far fe- – like, okay, first it starts with the prologue like, hey, there's this English guy and he falls in love with this beautiful woman and they're really in love, yo, and then she dies in childbirth and the kid dies too. Is this the actual translation? Is that a direct No, book? no, no. It it's is like not no fear dra- Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not that. Hey, Juliet, yeah. I love you, bitch. For legit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's not that bad. Uh, it, but he, then millions of years later in the far future, uh, this is early 20th century versions of what the apocalypse would be. So it's fucking weird as shit. You know, like yeah. the earth shrinks and like they live in a rift that was formerly at the bottom of an ocean. Like, so they're like, and they, so they live in this massive, like, 
hundreds of miles long massive rift or uh, valley or can- super canyon and they live in this giant pyramid that's like eight miles high and it's like a thousand levels and like all of humanity lives in this fucking pyramid and uh, it's an arcology everything's and they basically live off what they call the earth current which is like geothermal power but it has holiness to it because it keeps out the bad things there's and there's and there's so many bad like the thing is the Wait, gr- did somebody map this yes oh okay I've seen yeah. I've seen the map and I'm just like Ugh. Looks oh, you know, it's totally the great thing about it is he never fucking explains. There's just the forces of evil and the forces of goodness. Goodness is kind of like, eh, yeah, but the forces of evil are fucking everywhere and they're weird as shit. Like, all right, there's five what they call the watchers, they're five giant beings and they just sit there and they 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 watch the pyramid and they move like a, an inch every century towards the pyramid. And so, like, that's it. They, they know that they're evil but and they can't get in, but they're like what the fuck is, where do they come from what do they do who knows <laughs> then there's the quiet city with that has lights that have been burning for tens of thousands of years and they're like we we know that's evil but we don't like it or it's the silent city i'm sorry so anyway there's all this weird shit and the guy's like holy shit there's another pyramid on the other side of the valley hundreds of miles away and my love has been reincarnated into someone a woman who lives there so i need to cross the entire nightlands and get her and come back with her and that's no one's ever gone out in that place in century because like but he knows the terrain very well or at least for part of it because like the entire civilization is based on watching what's out there in the nightlands like all they do is they have telescopes and they have a whole class of people who are scholars of monsters all they do is watch the monsters out there so like they're all fucking it's weird as shit but it's like this guy trekking through here and through this crazy shit and coming back with her and uh, his he doesn't even have like they don't even have ranged weapons anymore like for some reason uh, and he, but he, what he does have is basically a, a stylized buzzsaw like it's like a pole with a big spinning blade that he can just turn on and off at will and it just cuts through anything and it's crazy as hell so it's great gaming material and I'm going to use it in like base raiders as an alternate dimension or something because it's public domain you can use it for your own stuff or whatever don't, don't you kind of wish sometimes that you like could have a debilitating mental disease that you could turn on and off at will and you're yeah. just like alright I'm going to bed yeah. flip on the crazy <laughs> get the dream journal become a world renowned author and then alright oh that was great flip it off in the morning go to work yeah. like I, I really wish I could do that because I feel like Lovecraft and those guys that they was did. their basic like what kind of crazy shit did I see in my night terrors last night oh the the mountains beyond. we hear enormous laughter from a hundred miles away behind these mountains we don't know what causes it but every couple hours there's laughter like the end yeah so that's the nightlands retold and it's on amazon kindle it's like three bucks it's worth reading uh last couple three i'll just go through these two comics uh wizards of the coast does a comic uh and they've recently been doing comics that explain uh, their classic dungeon modules. They have one that's called the Tomb of Horrors. That's the one I'll link to. And it's just uh, Caleb Cena. It's just this massive image showing like every single location in the Tomb of Horrors and what happens to this party of old D and D characters as they go through <laughs> it. Like, oh, this is how the Illusionist dies. Oh, this is how the Barbarian dies. Frustrated, the Barbarian summons three hundred uh, of his followers. One hundred thirty of them die in the fire pit. <laughs> you know. Whoops. Yeah, exactly. And uh, then there's Steve Rogers' diary comic. Uh, someone's basically doing a series like Steve Rogers Captain America is a artist so why wouldn't he do his own diary comic so it's like him the movie version of Captain America doing a comic of like 
him talking about fucking Damien Hurst with Pepper Potts at lunch and like him getting like, what the fuck? I was asleep for 70 years and I come back and I see this shit in the museum. What the fuck? Like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Curse. And Pepper's like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so that's really good. And then finally, um, uh, Surrealist RPG. I just got a review copy of it called Itris B. It's surreal 1920s uh, kind of uh, theme. It's indie lot. It looks crazy as hell. I'm going to try and run it for the actual play podcast. Uh, so, yeah. And Tom, you have the last yeah, one. Yeah, I have one. It's actually a uh, Nick Fury comic series I'm reading. Yeah. Called uh, My War Gone Past, I My believe War. is what it's called. Okay. And it's essentially about Nick Fury and his years after World War II. Yeah. Like the one I started in, it's showing him going on a mission with Frank Castle in Vietnam in 1970. It's not the. Is this, this isn't the Max one. That yeah, it's was, a Max. It's the Max one. It's the Max one, the five issue miniseries. Or it's that? it's still going. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it was like it, it was like issue six that. Okay. And it's well, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Okay. No, but no, this one is like, you know, it's him in Vietnam. Then they've now gone, what I really love now is now they've gone to Nicaragua in the 80s and Barracuda's there. Of course. So I mean, they're kind of revisiting old Max characters. I gotcha. So, I mean, I, and I'm, it's really great stuff. Just good war stories. Okay. And Nick Fury, what can go wrong? It's, yeah. Nick, Who's writing it? Do you know? Uh, it's not Garth Ennis. No, it's, I, don't, I don't believe it's Garth Ennis. It's the... Um, it's the same uh, the same uh, artist that did a lot a lot of the uh, Punisher Max stuff. Okay, but no, it's just a really great comic. Cool, I love it. I, I love I like Nick Fury in the Max series. Of course, just Who the, as a you just know, a, a hard drinking you know cigar smoking badass that doesn't give a shit. Yeah, that is the the essence of the the it's archetypal like, Frank Miller. And, and like each one, it's each one. It, it starts yeah. always with uh, like Nick Fury in his eighties. Oh. So you're, like, you're kind of recording you know, this book he's making. I got you. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah. So finally, before we go, we have anecdotes, and we've decided we all have a recent Aaron-related story so to I tell. Caleb has a game. Aaron is a fan favorite. And, he is? Uh, he is. So, uh, Caleb. All right. So we're running this um, Knights Black Asian campaign, Tribes of Tokyo. And... Uh, Last couple of weeks, we've been having a lot of trouble being like, what do we do next? I don't know. Vampires are scary. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck this. We need a plan because we're spies. So um, Jason tells me earlier in the day that he's not going to be able to make it. So I, before we have the game, I, I stat out this like, I think it was literally a 17-step plan, and I had a shopping list of at least 25 things um, that I wanted. And it was like ridiculously elaborate plan to get more intelligence. But I, I planned it for, like, the four of us who were going to be there, and I had all our character sheets copied, and I was, like, looking at, like, what skills we have, who's going to be best for this. And since it's a point-spin system, I'm like, it's foolproof. You just spend the point, you get stuff. Um, so we actually get to play it, and then David doesn't show up, too. So, like, one-fourth of the plan is gone. And I really can't reassign uh, Tom's character to do anything because he's got guns. And uh, as as you hear Operation Black Dolphin when it's posted, <laughs> we needed the guns. Um, so the, it falls to Aaron's character to take up the slack because he was really just going to be on electronic hacking oversight. But uh, David's character is like a 19-year-old gigantic switchblade wielding yakuza member well, no he's older he's a, he's a big he's a veteran well he's a he's a gigantic switchblade wielding yakuza yeah. member uh and so Aaron had to perform his job <laughs> and so the whole idea was to hire these ultra nationalists 
to uh, harass a corporation for the Yakuza and then get arrested in the process. And it was hilarious. Like at the very beginning, just trying to hire the ultimate with money in hand, knowing that this is what they do for the Yakuza. Yeah, it it just got ridiculous really fast. (laughs) And then him trying to get arrested it's like he doesn't like jaywalk or yell at it. He just immediately goes to like tasing people. <laughs> and like I think he he tried to break a window with a brick and he fumbled the roll so it like just bounced off the <laughs> the window ineffectually or something. <laughs> like it was awesome. Yeah. It, yeah. it was uh Aaron He's Cyril from Archer. Yeah, making Aaron be a undercover Yakuza agent trying to get arrested was was pretty great. It but was. the plan worked. So. It did. Okay, yeah, I got one. Uh, Aaron is currently playing in my Pathfinder campaign. Yeah. And uh, he's been I mean, he hasn't done much in the last few sessions, which is why what he did in the last session, I think, was he decided to totally go do something. Yeah. So one of the plot points is there's a ship that's controlled by the Empire. Doc, you know, it's kind of more just, you know, about three, almost a mile offshore, off the harbor. And it's ru- rumored that bad things are afoot on it. So Aaron decides to go off by himself. He's playing a Warforged, by the way. <gasps> yeah, who's not... A, a magical s- robot, for those of you uh, yeah. who are not familiar with that. <gasps> who's, yeah, and, he, so, and he's not stealthy at all, but he decides no. to... He just walks along. Well, his class is gunslinger, which is like you do you're fighting with guns. You're, yeah. It's a fighter type class. So he's walking on the bottom of the you know, ocean, you know, well, the harbor. of the harbor. Yeah. Towards the ship, you know, two uh, I'm butchering that. I think it's Sahugans. Shahugans. Shahugans, the two, the evil fish guys accost him. Sharkmen. Uh more evil fish guys. Well, they're not sharks though. They ride they use they're sharks. They're pretty sharky. Well, whatever. Anyway, so he somehow convinces them to, hey, says, I'll give you some money and I owe you a favor if you help me aboard the ship. So he did it. And so he gets, he climbs up the anchor chain. We kind of, you kind of, we kind of hand wave the whole thing. How the fuck are they talking underwater? Because uh, I figured he's a magical robot. So wizards but, and shahugans are magical shark devil so why people. Not? Yeah. So wizards did that. So he climbs up the chain, gets stuck trying to get in through the, you know, into the ship through the you know, anchor chain. So, but, you know, forces his way through, finds himself in the bilge, comes up through this crate into the cargo hold, but there's all kinds of, you know, cargo of interest. Yeah. And I honestly don't know what his plan was at this moment, but he he made enough rules to know there were guards on the other side of the door. So he he tries to do he tries to find out what open the crate, see what's in him. He can't do it. And he makes some noise, which causes the guards to look inside. And I don't know how many natural ones he rolled during this encounter, but it was more than three. It was, I think it was three or four. I think yeah. I want to say three or four. Uh, but yeah, I was right next to him. So yeah, that's a natural one. So the two guards see him and then he initiate, they initiate combat. Yeah. And he decides to hold his ground, even though he knows, he knows having been briefed that there are like 50 soldiers on the ship. Yeah. And so he starts and he's, he starts fighting. He knows there's more guards coming, but he just keeps trying to take them out. Yeah. He doesn't retreat. No retreat. No surrender. I guess. But and he doesn't even actually manage. He wounds some of them, and one takes out his other his partner from firing into melee. Sure. Well, yeah, critical failure. But he keeps trying until finally, like six more guys come down. 
Yeah. And he keeps getting injured. And so he so he has to finally duck stack back down the ship and escapes. So he he got a look he glimpsed inside the cargo hold, but that's really all he managed to do in this raid he decided to take by himself. Right. No backup. <laughs> And no, I, I yeah, I applaud him. I mean, it was better. It was than, a, it was great initiative. I mean, yeah. just not a very well thought out plan. Yeah. All right. Can I? I remember the best part of my anecdote that I forgot. Yeah. It's been a week. So Aaron's disguise check, which we rolled like a twenty or something on. Yeah. Is like well, total, twelve, but this is a D six. Yeah, system. total rockabilly. Yeah. You know, hipster Japanese guy with like yeah he's got a Reverend Horton Heat t-shirt <laughs> and like just completely he's wearing like leather chaps or something just completely westernized and so not only does he hire the ultra nationalists who are like stuff shirt believe the emperor is god you know they should go back to World War II Chinese yeah. imperial not Japanese imperialism <laughs> When he's trying to get arrested, Aaron starts shouting all these ultra-nationalist slogans, <laughs> and everyone just gets confused. Because <laughs> he's just, he's dressed like the most Western Japanese person on the island. Yeah. And he's just like, the emperor! Oh, God. God love him. But he's like, did you invite him? No, I thought you did. Uh, so I have one anecdote for him, too. Uh, this week, uh, RJ was in town. Uh, so uh, I got to I ran Spear of the Century for him, Drew, and Aaron. Because uh, Aaron was the only one who didn't have work that night. And uh, I played uh, basically scenarios scenario called Attack of the Murder Hobos. Uh, 1933 New York. Uh, the hobos are all looking. There's four factions of vagrant, va- va- vagrant fighting men who are all have different fighting styles, and they're all looking for Ars Pugilism, a book of magical fighting techniques that will. Uh, Ars Pugilism. Yes. You son of a. Yeah. <laughs> whoever has it will be the most badass fighter in the world, and so they're all fighting to become uh, have their faction crowned king of the hobos. And uh, King of the Vagrants, I'm sorry. So uh, there's three factions. One is the Murder Hobos, who are ninja hobos with a a, a, a uh, then that they attack the PCs and that initiates the action. Like, well, where's the book? They think the PCs have the book, and the PCs don't have the book. So uh, then the other three, they find out that the other three factions are the River Rats, who you know have boats. Uh, then there are the Gun Bums, who have guns, and then there are the Steam Tramps. So as soon as Aaron, who have steampunk weapons and technology, uh, and as soon as Aaron finds out about this, he immediately finds out where they are and goes to them to help them. Like he has no idea who they are or what their uh, intentions are, but he decides that I will go and talk to them and help them out. And so uh, later on, they while he's at their factory, abandoned factory, you know, talking to them, uh, they are they are attacked by the gun bums who want to take them all out, take out the competition. Aaron, uh, this is at night, and Aaron, in order to uh, help the steam tramps, uses his universal gadget ability to just declare he has an, uh, a gadget that collects moon beams, moonlight, and brightens it somehow so he can blind all the gun bums who are rushing towards the factory. Uh, so that was his, uh, uh, that was, yeah, Aaron's major decision during the game. Thus staving the Steam Tramps orphan flaying machine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which I should have mentioned, but probably, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, that was. I'll, I'll have that game up shortly. Uh, we're good. We we have a monster and other childish things game that we're going to post next, uh, which is called Coronet, and it will be totally awesome and baller. Uh, so, but anyways. I think that's about it for RPPR episode. Indeed, five. indeed. Uh, we three games. So thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, we like having you. This is Ross Payton, Tom Church, Caleb, and we'll see you guys next time.